0: the heart behind them because in Matthew 5 17 Jesus says something really interesting he says do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets in other words I've not come to get rid of the Old Testament and just say see you later goodbye this isn't important anymore he said I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them so by looking at some of the things that God instructed us to do in the Old Testament, what we can find out is what is it that Jesus really came to earth to do fully. And so it's a really important thing to look at. So what are these offerings? Well, these offerings were a way of interacting with God, approaching God, and having an attitude towards God. We're going to look at three of them tonight and then kind of talk about how these actually apply to our lives today. All right. So in the book of Leviticus, chapter six and the surrounding area, the the Bible describes something called the guilt offering. We're going to have a table that we're going to put up here and we're going to run through these three pretty quick. All right. So the guilt offering in the book of Leviticus, the purpose of that offering was to make a mandatory atonement for sin. In other words, God said, listen, there's sin in your life. And because God is holy and perfect and righteous, there needs to be a payment for what it is that you've done. And this was the guilt offering. It involved confession, repentance, and a realization of the fact that there was a payment needed. And so what this offering was doing was it was trying to communicate to God's people that the Attitude that we need to approach God with is an attitude of repentance. In other words, what, what God was trying to say was that, hey, your life without me cannot, you cannot approach me with your sin. And so instead, I, I'm going to have an atoning sacrifice, something that is going to pay for that so that you can approach me and so that you can have a relationship with me. So that was the guilt offering. All right. So table that for just a second. We're going to move on to the second one, which is the burnt offering. The burnt offering was a valent, excuse me, not a Valentine's, uh, a voluntary act of worship, which was an expression of devotion and surrender to the will of God. So it was a way the burnt offering was designed to be Something that positioned your heart in such a way that you expressed surrender to the will of God. You said, God, I acknowledge the fact that your ways and your will is higher than mine. That I don't understand the things you understand. That you are more powerful and greater. And so I'm going to surrender my will to you. Essentially saying, you, God, are in charge of my life. And then the fellowship offering... Described in Leviticus is the last one we'll talk about. There's a couple others, but these are the three we're going to talk about tonight. Was a voluntary act of worship that involved Thanksgiving and fellowship, and it included in it a communal meal. In other words, this was a way of the Israelites approaching God in such a way that said, hey, I don't want just your sacrifice. I want to sit down with you, spend time with you, and have fellowship with you. I want friendship, and I want relationship. And that was the heart position of this offering was that God was, it was God's way of communicating to his people that I want relationship with you. So what we're going to look at tonight is those three heart positions. So when we read the old Testament, sometimes we get really confused because there's all these different regulations. But what God is trying to say through these regulations is, Hey, I want you to approach me with an attitude of repentance an attitude of surrender and an attitude of desired relationship. And that's good news for us. And here's what's even cooler is that if Matthew 5:17 truly is true and it says that do not, Jesus says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets, but I have come to fulfill them, then essentially through Jesus Christ, all of these things have been fulfilled. No longer do I need to make an offering or a sacrifice to have access to those three different heart attitudes. No longer do I need to make a sacrifice to come in and say, okay, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna come in with an attitude of repentance, surrender, and relationship. All of those are available to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, listen, because of what I've done for you, when you repent and turn away from your sin, when you say, I don't wanna, I don't wanna continue to walk in my life of sin, you have been 100% forgiven. When you surrendered, we are 100% guaranteed that we are going to be accompanied by the good shepherd that Aaron talked about last week at Chi Alpha, that he's going to have our back, that he's going to go beside us and walk before us. And he's going to, he's going to support us behind us. And then finally, that through Jesus, when we abide, when we spend time with him, we are guaranteed to have the best friend that we could ever ask for ever. All of these things get completed, and all of them are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. Now, that's good news. But However, what I want us to look at tonight is that I think sometimes these things get out of whack a little bit. You see, the Israelites were not called to just do one of these. God asked them to make all of these offerings throughout the year. Essentially, he said, hey... All of you need to approach me with an attitude of repentance, an attitude of surrender, and an attitude of relationship continually throughout the year. You can't just be a repentance expert, and or you can't just be a surrender expert, and you can't just be a fellowship expert. I want all of them, and when we do all of them, then and only then do we actually understand what a journey with Jesus or what a journey with God looks like. But if we only do one without the other or two without one, it gets thrown off. And I think sometimes we get stuck in that. This is going to make more sense as we go throughout tonight. So what happens when our interactions with God, when, the, when our attitude is a little bit off in these three areas of offering? Well, tonight I want to look at three unbalanced approaches. And the first one is this. And I believe that before we jump into this, I just want to pause and say this. I want you, as we go through this tonight, to kind of examine your life and say, okay, which one of these can I most most identify with? And there's going to be a few of these that are like, ooh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. And that's why maybe my perspective of God or, or that's what's been hanging me up in my journey with him or whatever else it is. One of these, I believe, or maybe a couple of them are going to speak to you if you just open your heart and say, God, speak to me. Can we do that? Awesome. First one is this, is that sometimes we, in our unbalanced approach, we come with a guilt offering but no fellowship offering. And I'm going to translate that for us so we don't get too confused, okay? And you can move to that next slide, Dylan. What I mean by this is that we see the regulations, but no relationship. We see the regulations, but we miss relationship. So we come to God with our guilt offering. We realize that we're guilty of things. We realize that my life is a little bit messed up. But so you see, when we when we only bring guilt offerings to God and we don't, bring fellowship offerings to God, when we have an unbalanced diet in this, what we have felt is that we feel ashamed. We feel unworthy. We feel like we are constantly in trouble. For some of you, this makes sense. This is how you feel when you, when people talk to you about the Lord or when you come into Chi Alpha or maybe even when you're around other Christians, You start to feel ashamed, you feel judged, you feel like, man, you think that I would, maybe you're here tonight, you think that you would never be fit for the service of the kingdom of God. You might be here tonight, and you say, "Uh, I'm just not worthy to be in God's presence. You see, what God wants you to know is that, yes, are we all guilty, have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Yes, we have, but... The beautiful thing is, is God is not up there and just saying, ah, you should just feel ashamed of yourself because you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. He says, "No, no, yes, you are guilty, but guess what? Jesus came and he died for you. He filled that guilt. And now because of that, you can approach me and you can have relationship and you can have fellowship with me. It's not just the guilt offering. It's also the fellowship offering. And I believe that some of you in here maybe have not wanted to touch Christianity. You've not wanted to. Uh, you've been frustrated with, with thinking of Christianity as rules. And God wants to say, no, 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 listen. That's been taken care of. I want you to to turn away from that sin. And I want you to walk away from that. And if you walk away from that, then we step into fellowship and we step into relationship. Maybe you're here tonight and you've gotten legalistic in your approach to your walk with Jesus. You feel like you're just going through the motions. Or maybe you're here tonight. And you're frustrated because you don't necessarily understand the why. There's this thing that that you read in scripture or somebody told you to do and, and, and you don't understand the why behind the rule. You don't understand the why behind the command in scripture. You're like, well, that's silly. Why would I do that? That doesn't make sense. And what God is asking you to do tonight is he's saying, listen, my friend, my child, my daughter, my son, if you would come into fellowship and relationship with me, then maybe through relationship, you would start to understand the why behind this thing that I have commanded you to do. But you see, when it gets off pretty soon, we start to get discouraged and we start to feel distance from God. So maybe that one relates to you, maybe it doesn't. But the second one that I want to talk about, the second unbalanced perspective is that when we come with guilt offering, but no burnt offering. What do I mean by this? Is that translated, we, we desire freedom without surrender. How this applies to our lives, I believe, is that I think sometimes we can be walking through life and we can become sick of the consequences of our sin. Our sin is caught up with us. We have pain. We're carrying hurt. We're carrying issues. We're carrying addictions. We're carrying all of these things. And we want to get rid of them. We know that it's not healthy. And we know it's causing us pain. We know it's weighing us down. But the problem is, Is that we've not brought that burnt offering before the lord we've not brought our surrender before the lord So what we'd have is we say man, i'm sick of the consequences of my sin but I'm, not willing to let go of control of my life and give control of my life totally to jesus I see this happen so often in people's lives We hate when bad things happen But we still aren't willing to put ourselves in a position of total surrender. And what it leads to is cycles in our lives. Maybe this sounds familiar to you. That you've promised God 700 times that you will never do something again. I'll never do this. I'll never do this. I'll never do this. But when he asks you to let go of something that leads you into that temptation, we're not willing to let it go. An example of this would be, I, I watch people all the time. They, we we get in these cycles in our lives. I don't know, maybe you know somebody, or maybe this is you, that you've seen, you you date the same type of guy over and over and over again. Or you date the same type of girl over and over and over again. And it always ends badly. And you can't figure out necessarily why. Well, the reason is, is for whatever reason, we're looking for wholeness and completeness in somebody else that's very broken. And because we have not let the Lord heal our brokenness, when we then we take matters into our own hands and we say, God, I'm just we just say, I'm just going to go and I'm going to fill this brokenness with an individual. And we start to make the same mistake over and over and over again. Why? Because we're sick of the consequences of our sin. And we know something needs to change. But I'm not willing to let go of my need for a relationship. And I'm not willing to give control over to God and say, God, maybe I should start doing relationships the way you have asked me to start doing relationships. And maybe I need to trust you. That if I follow you, that you will ha- prepare somebody for me that's going to come into my life. And you have prepared a, you're you preparing a spouse even now that is going to far exceed any of my expectations or wildest dreams. But because we're not willing to surrender, we want God to take care of the consequences of our sins. We want freedom without surrender. It doesn't make sense. Same thing. uh, I I watch a lot of people with, uh, with, uh, it's, it's okay. We're going to get real in here tonight. Okay. We, I've watched a lot of people with porn addictions. They want it. They know that they need to get rid of this. They know it's causing damage in their life. They want it. They want to be rid of it. And so they ask God for freedom, the freedom, freedom, freedom. But when it comes to surrender, They're not willing to take the necessary steps to remove some of those obstacles in their life. And so when someone says, well, you know, you could put a filter on your phone and on your computer, or you could just get rid of your computer and use a campus computer. Oh, no, 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 I cannot do that. I cannot do that. I, just, there's just no way that I could ever give that up. And, and they think, well, I'm going to beat it, I'm going to beat it, I'm going to beat it. But when in reality, what Jesus might be asking you to do is to say, okay, if you want freedom, then I also need you to surrender a few things. And if you're willing to surrender, then and only then are we going to be able to walk in freedom. So if we're coming to God with a guilt offering, wanting freedom, but we're not willing to surrender, we're going to grow frustrated. And those cycles eventually lead to burnout. We eventually just say, ah, I guess this is just how it's always going to be. And it doesn't have to be that for you. But sometimes it just takes a little bit of surrender from us. God can take a little bit of surrender and do the miraculous with it in our lives. I'm not saying that you need to work harder or do more. What I'm saying is sometimes we just need to let go. And that's where our freedom is waiting. And the third one that I want to talk about tonight is this unbalanced approach when we come for a fellowship offering but refuse the guilt or burnt offering. In other words, we desire relationship with no desire for change or submission. This is similar to the second point, but a little bit different. When we come to God wanting relationship, but we have no desire for change or submission... It's essentially telling God, we want all the perks, we want all the imagery, and we want all of the good feelings that come from following Jesus, but I still want to be in charge, and I still want to call the shots. And I got news for you guys, it doesn't work. Because what ends up happening is deception. And we, we think that God's in charge of our lives, but really, we are still in charge, And we've come to, and we maybe even declare it. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But we've never positioned our heart in an attitude of repentance and surrender. And so the person that's still in the driver's seat of your life is you. And last time I checked, you and I make very terrible gods. And we are very, very bad steers of our car. We're very bad captains of our ships, of our lives. You and I included. We mess things up. We're humans. We're fallen. We are not perfect. And so here's what I've seen a lot of people do. Is they say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm a Christian now. But they've never gotten off the throne of their life. They still just want to sit there. And they become deceived because God isn't behaving the way they want him to behave. He isn't saying the things we want him to say, and he isn't doing the things that we want him to do. And we get frustrated. And we get confused. And we go through trials and we say, God, if you really loved me, then you would have blank. And you see, guys, what we need to do is we need to come to God with all three areas of our lives. We say, God, I need to come to you in repentance. I know that I've screwed up and I need to turn away from my old ways. I recognize that I cannot do this by myself. And so I need to surrender to you. And then I'm going to step into this beautiful relationship with you where what you says goes in my life. And I'm going to most enjoy relationship with you. When I understand you better, and the only way I understand you better is if I am actively repenting and turning away and actively surrendering. You guys getting this? It's a cycle that leads to a depth of relationship with Jesus. But if our, if our balance is off, if we only want fellowship, if we, if we only, if we only feel guilty, if we never surrender, this whole journey is never going to make sense. And I believe that that is mostly what the book of Leviticus is about. It's about how to have a well balanced approach in our journey with God. The worship team can come back up. I'll never forget uh, when I learned, sort of learned this lesson in my life. I was, uh, I was a, let's see, a freshman in college. Summer after my freshman year, my mom was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, the, the diagnosis was multiple myeloma. It was a cancer of the bone marrow, and so they were going to need, the doctor said that they were going to need to do a bone marrow transplant, and that is no easy procedure. It's pretty difficult, and it was very high risk, and the doctor said, you know, it's, usually this works, sometimes it doesn't, but, uh, but we, this should give us an extra two to ten years should give you guys an extra two to 10 years with your mom. And so my mom was going to go into cancer treatment, uh, or or into radiation treatment that fall. And they were going to take care of some of the cancer. And then this, she was going to need the full bone marrow transplant later that, that year. And I was sitting in my campus pastor's office and I was telling him about this. I was pretty shooken up. Obviously I was worried about my mom. I was concerned about my mom and he, uh, And what I was expecting him to do is put his, I was expecting, his name's Brad, Pastor Brad. And I was expecting Pastor Brad to put his arm around me and say, Steve, everything's going to be okay. But he did something very different. He asked me a question that I will never forget. He said, Steve, are you going to be mad at God if your mom dies? I was like, what the heck are you doing, dude? You're supposed to, you're supposed to tell me everything's gonna be okay, and you're supposed to tell me that oh, uh, just oh, uh, puppy dogs, candy canes, Steve, like Jesus is the healer, and you're supposed to shower me with all of these really nice, fluffy promises. You're not supposed to talk about death. And I was like, "What do you mean?" He says, "Well, Steve, I would, a- I-, I would ask yourself that question: Are you gonna be mad at God if your mom dies?" And it started me on this journey of processing. And I started to realize, God, am I just following you because I really enjoy fellowship? And I really enjoy all the perks and the feel goods? Because what Brad knew was that if that was what my foundation of faith was built upon, that when a storm came, it was not going to stand. And what Brad wanted to make sure was that Steve's foundation With Christ was not built on whether things were going good in his life, but were built on an attitude of repentance and surrender that led to fellowship. So that no matter what I was walking through, no matter what I was facing... I understood that I was nothing without God, that I was completely surrendered to his will, and that my fellowship with him was not contingent upon circumstance. It was contingent upon the promises that he has that he will never leave me and never forsake me despite what I was walking through. And you see, if we get unbalanced in this, I believe what happens is that we have feel-good faith. We have a a faith that is quite shallow because what happens is is we serve God when and only when it's convenient for us. The reality is is that Jesus' followers, His original disciples, the 12 dudes that walked around with Him, those 11 guys that ended up going out and sharing his faith with sharing the sharing the gospel with the world all of those guys ended up dead or exiled directly because of the fact that they were preaching the gospel and the reason i think that's obviously significant is because they knew god they performed great miracles they did all of these things right But you see, what they maintained was not just an attitude of fellowship. God, we love being with you, which is great. They maintained an attitude of repentance and surrender as well. That said, God, no matter what, no matter what you call us to, no matter what we're walking through, we are going to serve you until the very end of my days. You see, men and women of God that have an attitude of repentance, an attitude of surrender, and an attitude of fellowship, they're the ones that do incredible things for God's kingdom. They're the ones that weather every storm. And they're the ones that boldly go where other Christians would never be daring enough to go. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give us a chance to respond to this tonight. I don't know where you fall, what offerings you've been missing in your life, but if you're here tonight and you're part of that first group, it's been all guilt for you. Guilt, guilt, guilt. You feel guilty all the time and you just need some fellowship with God. You say, ah, Jesus, I, I want to accept your forgiveness and actually receive your forgiveness and actually just step into relationship and confidence before you. If that's you tonight, I just want you to spend time talking to Jesus about that in these next few moments as we worship. If you're here tonight, you say, yeah, that I need to surrender. I've wanted God to take away my pain and take away my hurt, but I've been not willing to change a thing. If that's you tonight, we would love to pray with you for courage and strength to be able to say, say, I'm going to surrender this area of my life to Jesus tonight. We're going to be in the back to pray for you for that. And if you're in that third category, we would love to pray for you as well. But I need to ask this question. If you're here tonight and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, He's not done that completed work in your life. Or maybe you've had a relationship with him in the past and it's long since grown cold and stagnant. And tonight you would like to say, Jesus, I want to make you, I want to put you in charge of my life and I'm placing my trust in you for my salvation, for the forgiveness of my soul. If that's you tonight, you want to make that decision to make him in charge of your life, just raise a hand in here. Is that for anybody? Okay. Awesome. Anybody else? If you raise your hand to that question, I would love to chat with you after the service. I'll be in the back. I would love to share with you what that means and what those next steps are to following Jesus. But if you raise your hand to that question, I'm going to ask that you pray in your heart. Just repeat this prayer in your own way, in your own heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I realize my sin has separated me from you. But tonight, I am accepting your forgiveness that you made available to me through dying for me on the cross. I am turning away from my old ways and asking for strength to live for you for the rest of my life. Awesome. I'm going to pray for the rest of us and then we're just going to go into a time of closing worship and I just invite you to spend some time taking care of business in whatever area. Maybe you need to make a surrender, an attitude, attitude of surrender offering tonight. Maybe you need to just fellowship with God. Maybe there's some things you need to repent of tonight. Whatever it might be, just allow you and the Lord to do some heart business tonight. And please do not be shy about coming back for prayer. We would love to come alongside of you in this journey, pray for you. Our staff and interns and the Trotters will be back there to to pray with you. And We're just going to take the next few moments to spend time with the Lord. Jesus, be with us as you do some heart surgery on us. I repented the times when I've had an unbalanced approach with you. And Lord, I just pray that you would do what you need to do in, in each and every individual heart in here tonight. In Jesus' name.